passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Ooh, welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Stride Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water, do you believe? We have a great show for you guys today. We have former giant turned talk show host and founder of the Victor Cruz Foundation. Yes, that's right. We have the Victor Cruz joining the show. So buckle up, put your hands inside the ride and get excited because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back. We sitting here. I'm supposed to be the franchise player. And we in here talking about practice. Clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Bases loaded. Two out. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stride Pitcher Free Throws because they have free So265 coming hot at you guys. Then So264, and I'm joined on this one by offensive and defensive coordinators Alex Tossman Rock Tosopoulos and Nikki Snacks Krahahaida. It's an awesome one, one of our all time favorite shows. So without further ado, let's get into it. The Charity Stripe meets Victor Cruz. Enjoy. All right, guys, you heard it in our intro. We got former giant turned talk show host and founder of the Victor Cruz Foundation, the Victor Cruz, joining the show today. Victor, how you doing, brother? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Listen, we've... Thank you for being here, man. Yeah, I'm a New York guy myself, so we grew up watching you and tearing it up for the Giants. I have my Patriots gear on, so I was on the opposite end of the spectrum for that You're one. You're throwing me off here with the Patriots shirt, the Suns hat. I, it I, throws I, everyone I off, man. get to all of that in a second. But you're giving me mixed vibes here. Here's the deal. <laughs> I have, I don't want to, like, I don't want to seem braggadocious when we first meet, but I have an unreal hat collection. 
So whatever okay. the vibe I'm feeling that day, like the suns are hot right now, so I'm jumping on that bandwagon. But I know okay. your boys with Cam Newton. I just saw we, your roundtable was excellent, and Indeed, I have my you. I have my Cam gear on. So I'm I'm okay. I'm bought in. So I'm a Pats fan through and through. But we grew up watching you play for the G Men, crush it for the G Men. And just so you know, different kind of hat collection than Cam Newton. Oh uh, yeah, gotcha. yeah. I don't do. <laughs> yeah. If you if you're not putting a feather in your hats, it's not even a thing. It, it doesn't even count. Right. I, you no. see, he could do it. And and it looks amazing. I do it, mm-hmm. and these two guys would not let me out of the house. They'd be like, "We're not. We're just not going to the club. We're not going to let you go, dude. Go back to your room." I think it's, it's probably worth noting that while Josh is wearing a Suns hat, he said before the bubble started that the Suns weren't going to win a game. So he was very, very wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad I have all of this as a foundation. I know, yeah, uh, Victor. Here's here, the thing we do on the charity stripe is just we don't miss wide, right? We miss so wide right it hit someone on the opposite <laughs> end zone that's that's the that's how we do it man. that's how we do it, on it. TCS. Okay. Okay. uh that. but you're a great football player and now you transition into the entertainment world um i'd love to hear about that transition for you man because your transition from college to the nfl was crazy it, mm-hmm. it, it is truthfully you have the ultimate preseason you really did the preseason of all preseasons and that kind of piggyback your transition but you were an undrafted guy so what was harder in a sense, the transition from college to the NFL or the transition now from the NFL to entertainment? Because that's like that, that's not an easy field to get into, you know? Agreed. I think but I think the harder transition was college to the NFL, mainly because you go for, and I think it was a, a, gr- a great transition for me because coming from a one double A school at the time, we didn't have any resources. You just dealt you you were you played the hand you were dealt, so mm-hmm. to speak, right? You knew what was going on, you knew you were at a, a, a smaller school, you knew you had to scrap scrap and fight and claw your way through just to be noticed let alone be on the team and etc um so that was definitely harder especially getting to the nfl seeing the pool of talent that you have to go up against on your own team let alone across 32 teams across the league um and then realizing like okay i gotta have everybody's fast everybody can jump everybody can catch here how do i set myself apart and i think the consistency that i brought and i just always wanted to be consistent if I made play I wanted to make plays every single day so that they understood that okay it wasn't just one good day for him he actually does this on a consistent basis and then just live with the results and the entertainment transition it kind of came a little bit more seamless for me because I think I just did a great job of as I was playing and and as I was you know as a player um, I created these relationships I did the tv spots I did the guest hosting this I did the you know, I did all those little things that I knew were little crumbs that I would leave, and then I'd come back to pick those up um, later on in the future. And perfect example was how I got the e-gig was I did a guest hosting on the Today Show when I was like, I don't know, year five in the league, and I did great. And I was just myself, and we were talking, just going back and forth. And the showrunner for that show at the time, Tammy, um, she just like invited me back as much as I wanted to. And then fast forward became the I guess the president or whatever at E and I was the first phone call she uh really she made when creating a new show in New York and the whole thing so it was just everything just comes full circle but those transitions they're not easy and if you don't set those foundation up for you later that's why I always tell guys now like make sure you're injecting yourself in things that you want to do outside of the game because you only the game is going to go by like this right. but those relationships and how you facilitate that in the future really open up the horizons for you 
were there guys around you that kind of were in your ear about this? Because you kind of have to be conscious. Like, first of all, you're coming out of school. Your main goal is to make the team, right? You're an undrafted yep. guy. You're not the first round. You're not, you're not Odell, right? You're not pick 12, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. You have to f- worry about making the team. But also kind of it was so interesting watching you because you were pretty much personality from the jump. Like, it's like, where does, like, where do you kind of find the go, you know what, I'm going to go for it and do it my way and give yourself that kind of permission, you know, to kind of shine in your own way. I think the biggest thing for me was that it it, it all happened so organically. I think even now to this day, everything I do is just super organic, right? Even the salsa dance was like something my coach told me to do the week of, and I was like, coach, you're bugging. Like, if you think I'm about to go out here (laughs) as a free agent and dance in somebody's end zone and like glow and like you're out of your mind. I just wanted to catch a ball from a Hall of Famer back there and make sure I don't drop anything and make sure I live to fight another day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But and I took it all week. He was like, you got to do it. You better do it. That's awesome. And the week came and the first my first catch of the game was a 65 yard touchdown. And I just remember at the two yard line, like, I gotta dance now. Like, there's no way I can't do something. Yeah. Now, after the whole week that I had, so even the, and then that's how the salsa dance came, and then it just snowballs from there. So I just love that everything just came super organic, from relationships mm-hmm. to transitioning to football, and how I was able to show my own flair, my own sense of style, just kind of organically, and that was the best way to do it. Yeah, man. And the whole thing, I guess, being an undrafted guy, the relationships are so important. So your relationship with mm-hmm. Eli, how, what was it like building that from the jump? Man, it was kind of, again, that was one of those things that was kind of seamless, too. It, it was the irony about the 2010 year was that it was a lockout year for the NFL, at least yes. for the first couple months. Yeah. I don't think we had like a, uh, we didn't have like a OTAs. We kind of went straight into camp. Yeah, you're not baseball. It was bad, but not disastrous. Exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, but no one remember. I mean, I mean, no one r- really even knows this, but I was the only one that was local at the time during those like during the time frame where we would usually have uh, OTAs and all those offseason workout programs. I was the only one in Jersey. So Eli was like, all right, we just got this undrafted kid. Let me call him up and see if he wants to play catch. And I'm like, uh, duh. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Sorry, busy. So I meet him in Hoboken. We're literally, we're literally in front of his apartment complex and his town home, whatever, playing catch in a park. And people are walking by, like walking their dogs, like, is that, is that Eli? Like, what's going on <laughs> out here? And we literally created that rapport and that relationship very early on. And I think as my success started to snowball my, my rookie year and then into my second year, we already had a foundation set between us in terms of just verbiage and getting to know one another. And I think that just helped, you know, tenfold once I actually got on the field and we actually started to play games together. It just all worked out. Yeah, so a little thing about that. That preseason game um, that we that we all know about that three touchdown game that's one of the most memorable moments of Hard Knocks is when you guys playing against the Jets wearing number three yeah. so swag <laughs> Rex Ryan at the Rex Ryan at the end of the game is like man that Cruise kid watch out for him <laughs> and you're like who is that <laughs> exactly to be honest I remember looking up I remember him looking up at the scoreboard I, I think during the Hard Knocks and he's kind of watching the replay he was like maybe we should get two bodies on this number three kid you know what I mean yeah. Like, yeah. Those moments are never, 
th- th- those memories will never go away. That's for sure. It's great. Like I remember, like I was young at that point. I still remember though going to my dad because my dad's a Jets guy, and you know he like makes me suffer okay. through every game. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is that wide receiver wearing number three? Is that like supposed to happen? They just, they just like, like, like so swag. It was like when Michael Jordan got the twelve jersey because they had like nothing. Like they just throw him one of these jerseys and exactly. he came in and turn it up. But I mean, those are little things, those little stories you hear about Eagle Eye. You know that not everybody knows, and like you, that not everybody knows. Like it's just so happenstance. Like a Patterson kid, you know, is around in that time. It's just, it's just crazy the way things fall into place. Um, and you bring up the word foundation. You have a foundation now, which we got to delve into a lot. You know, mm-hmm. doing our research on you, and it's great. And you know, a lot of athletes kind of you know get athletic programs going, which is amazing, mm-hmm. right? And bring mm-hmm. that out in people. But yours is more scholastic base. Uh, how did how did you come to that? How did you come to a decision to kind of you know put your focus there? Well, I think just looking internally, right? I was a kid that wasn't the best, greatest student, but you know when I applied myself, I did well. But even when I got to college, I was, you know, I I, I failed out of college twice in, in two different semesters um, due to academic issues. So I just knew, and it wasn't because I wasn't smart or wasn't, you know, wasn't able to do the work. It was just I didn't know. I didn't know about you know, planning my time out. I didn't know about structure. I didn't have a school structure by myself without my mom and without coaches that pushed me without, you know, I didn't have that. So when I got to college, I was fish out of water and and didn't know how to structure my time, right. How to get, you know, what I needed um, to kind of break through and get through the academic part of college. And I know that for a fact that there's all these kids that come from my hometown that probably battle the same issues or or are going to battle the same issues. So I kind of wanted to put something in place with the core value of these science, technology, engineering, and math so that they have a better foundation going into the next phase of their lives and the next phase of their careers, whether it be college or right into the workforce. I wanted them to have a better foundation educationally than I had so that they'll be better when they get to the next phase or when they get to the next part of their lives, they'll say, oh, I have, you know, some background in technology, I understand how to do this job, or, you know, I want a computer science job, and you have science, technology, engineering, and math that you've done from the age of, you know, we're in boys and girls clubs now, so you've done from the age of seven, all the way to 12. And now you have a better background and a better foundation for yourself to go do whatever it is you want to do in any field, Mm -hmm. because, you know, STEM just covers so much. So I just basically wanted to give kids that look like me, and that come from the same background, the same level of resources that I never had growing up. Yeah, I mean, and I think I think it's the it's the same principle that you're talking about when you're in the league for guys that are in the league, where it's like focus on what you want to do after football too. At the same time, while you're playing, set yourself yeah. up for the future. And for a lot of like academic programs, I mean, I remember when I was you know in eighth grade math, and I'm like, why do I why does this matter? What's the exactly. app, what's the practical application of what I'm doing right now, and why do I need to learn this? And if you can kind of tether that to a job after, like what happens, you know, when you graduate from, from high school, from college, when kids are in high school or in middle school and they, they know mm-hmm. that this thing in math translates to, you know, this job as an engineer or whatever it is, like exactly. these things make sense. It makes it make sense. And I remember I was the kid, I was, I was a little bit of an asshole, right? In class. So I'd be the kid. <laughs> my, like, I knew I we were alike, dude. Am I going to need this when I'm 30? I'd literally raise my hand and be like, am I going to be doing fractions when I'm 35? And my teacher would be like, sit down. Yeah. Like, right, right. <laughs> like, no, I'm not. But 
there's for the kids that love fractions, there's a job for that. You know what I mean? There's a job that entails for you to understand fractions and numbers and things like that. And I want my kids to have the foundation to go do that. I didn't have that foundation. I couldn't put a fraction together if my my life depended on it. You know what I mean? And I have an eight-year-old that has proven that theory. I was like, wait, we're on fractions? You're only eight. Like, how is this? Fractions are happening now? Okay, let's get your teacher on the phone because I have no idea. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I just want kids to have that foundation, a better foundation than I had moving forward from a young age to their next phase. Yeah, and I think a big thing we see, like, right now in the NBA, the guys could put messages on the back. And a lot of guys are putting education reform, which even for, I'm from Long Island, right? And in my town, their students were great, really good. Everything was like given to them for them to possibly succeed. One town over, it wasn't like that. And to me, you know, now that I'm older, like looking back, I didn't realize or care or think yeah, about course. it. But now mm-hmm. looking back, I'm like, you know what? Like, why didn't we partner with them? Why didn't we work with them? You know, so it's great to see that you're kind of, you know, getting involved in education reform. Did that did that happen because you, to becoming a father really, you know, turn that for you, like having a daughter, or was that always something that was inside of you that you wanted to change? It definitely fueled me. Having a child definitely fueled me to be like, okay, what are, what are, and, and it was actually fairly easy when I was thinking about the foundation, right? Because I would just go, what are the things that I want my daughter to learn? Mm-hmm. What, what are the things that I would want her to understand going into the next four years of her life. You know what I mean? Like, what are those things? And I can just apply them to what I was doing with the foundation and what I was doing with the Boys and Girls Club. So I think that's how it kind of came about. And then my own personal struggles, you know, growing up, I had to go to prep school in Bridgeton, uh, Bridgeton Academy in Bridgeton, Maine, a place that I probably never want to see again um, because there is nothing to absolutely do in Bridgeton, Maine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then going to college, flunking out after, you know, second semester and doing it again and then finally getting my wheels on the right tracks and doing what I needed to do. Like my own personal journey really brought me full circle in terms of what I wanted to do with the foundation. And then kind of the tipping point where I was like, I'm starting my foundation today is when I went to the White House Science Fair. And there was this one kid who lost his niece in the backseat of a car because she was a newborn and the father had two or three other children and he was in a routine of dropping those two or three kids off same school whole thing didn't process the newborn in the back seat went to work newborn dies in the back seat suffocation in the car so this kid who was no more than 13 years old created this neck pillow that also um could, could gauge heat and temperature and would also get a remote you would get let's say something was over let's say you had the neck pillow on the child yeah. right for whatever reason you forgot the child was in the car when that child begins to overheat because of the neck pillow you would get a a notification to your phone that says whatever you have in the car is overheating you will go check on it like he made this he was like 13 years no more than 13 years old brilliant and i was like my kids need to at least understand on a ground level how to make something like this right and that's how i started the stem program and that's how it kind of that was the evolution of it all, to be honest. That's awesome. I saw, I saw something on your Instagram the other day I meant to ask you about, and I forgot. Now I remembered the because <laughs> okay. of the story. And it's, you know, that kid is just following what need can I meet? You know, mm-hmm. he's acting upon that. And just that natural instinct is so interesting to me. Because Eric Thomas, the preacher Eric Thomas, who I saw on your Instagram, the first thing I saw the yeah. other day, and I was like, oh, my God. I Listen, listen we're performers as well. So we, we mm-hmm. we're podcast mm-hmm. actors, right? Yeah. For every play I ever do, I listen to him. 
every like clockwork man he he's incredible yeah have you met him i haven't met him in person but we recently just did like a zoom thing a little interview like this and we've been in contact obviously ever since i've been posting him he hits me up every now and again and just checks on me and vice versa but i just think the way that he gets his message across and the things that he says are literally the way that i would receive how I would want to receive all of my motivational conversations. Like I would want to hear it the way that he's saying it to me because it feels like home. It feels like one of the homies is saying it. It doesn't feel like some guy with a ruler is up there dictating to you. Right. It feels like one of us just having a conversation. He's just keeping it so real and enlightening you on things that you probably wouldn't think in a certain way or some things that are so minor and minuscule and easy to do and he's just like he'll take it to a whole nother level and, and and you know add compile these just these terms and these voices and what he's saying and just so eloquently and it's just it's the full package for me with et he just understands how to how to get uh through to to another person in a very very unique way he does i mean i used to put it on in you know i used to put it on in like the the dressing room and, you know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of theater kids. They're not like as like, I'm like a theater guy who loves sports, you know. So I'm like, yeah. I'm like watching, the, I'm, the guru, <laughs> I'm watching the game. I, we have a Sunday show. I'm looking at my fantasy team. Everyone's like, dude, exactly. what are you? Yeah, I, I just love both things. I would put that on though and everyone would be like, wow, this is mm-hmm. a game changer. And it's like, what need can I meet? And everything he said, just something from each line that hits different for me, hits different, you know, um, to other people. And he, he just gives back and it's so inclusive. And I think you've done, I think you do, you've done a nice job, obviously the foundation giving back, but I liked the way you gave voice to Cam and Odell and Gurley. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I know Odell set that up, but it was great that, you know, he kind of let you kind of be the facilitator because to me, those are three of the most misinterpreted yeah misunderstood Mm -hmm. misinterpreted guys Mm -hmm. you know in the nfl yep so what is like is is your goal now to kind of or is a goal of yours to kind of give voice to those kinds of players who we all who the media are always looking at like and making assumptions about and making and having other people make those assumptions as well in a league where where personality often gets pointed to as a bad thing right that's happened over the extent of the league like you'll get a guy like to as well right like yeah it's always been like that. And Man, the guys if T.O. was in the league anything, now, could you imagine if Terrell Owens came into the league right now? He'd oof. be beloved. Like, he yeah. would be such a loved figure because of his personality. Or even even um, even Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco. I, I, was, oh, yeah. I talk to him almost all the time or whenever we run into each other. My first thing to him, I always look at him and I'm like, dog, imagine if you played now. He'd be like, bro, I would have been in the Hall of Fame two years ago. Like, they would love me so much. Yeah. that it would be just a whole different story. So I do, I think, you know, when Odell came to me and was like, yo, I want to do this and blah, blah, and we started to hash it out. And then after it was done, I was like, man, I want to continue to do this. And I don't want to just do it. The reason that worked so well is because all three of those guys were coming off of seasons and going into this season with like a little chip on their shoulder, right? They had a little yeah, something to prove. For sure. Obviously, Cam on a new team, Ty Gurley on a new team. Odell like just picking that team up and being a leader now and like how his role changes not just as a leader but him as a player as well not having statistically the type of season he is accustomed to having um so I think it worked well because all those different guys had like something to prove and you could see it in their faces and you could hear it in what they're saying so I do want to continue that but I don't want to do it just to have guys in a room 
I want to do it with guys that are that like have something to prove because that's the only way you're going to get an organic conversation and one that's going to translate to the person that's watching it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, it you know because it's definitely because it takes my assumptions away. You know, and Cam's done a great mm-hmm. job this off season of that. Girly, we don't know because the whole medical thing. Everyone's like kind of yeah. dark on that. Odell, you make all these assumptions about him, but then you hear him actually talk about it and give him that platform that's not his own, you know, and just being like asked mm-hmm. from like a wide receiver to a wide receiver, player to player, friend to friend, you know, and you bring up Ocho Senko. Uh, one of our projects that we currently are working on, it's kind of funny, is we're trying to start a petition to put him in the Hall of Fame. And I, I, okay. I think because I, I th- I'm serious, I'm very, I've been very adamant that he should be a Hall of Famer because when the Hall of Fame inductions are given, and they they tell you how you've been in the Hall of Fame. One of the lines I forget the guy who's in charge of the Hall of Fame, but one of the lines he says is what you've done for the game. Mm-hmm. And it's important to realize that players are more than numbers, man. Like, what did he do for jersey 100%. sales? What did he do for the Bengals? What did he do for young kids? One of our buddies, one of our one of the guys we live with, he lives in Dallas. He goes, my favorite player growing up was Ocho Cinco. Same, incredible, right? I mean, it's just, it's real. I, I think he, abs- and, and not just what have you done for the game, but if you look at the numbers, the numbers are there. Oh, like, yeah, it's not yeah. like he was just a guy that was just polarizing and did things in the end zone or whatever. The numbers actually back up the argument. So I do think he should be in, in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't know why he hasn't even been mentioned yet or whatever the case may be. I know he had some off the field issues that the NFL maybe is looking at, but Nothing to the point where he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. This isn't like a Pete Rose situation where right, right. he shouldn't be let in for something yeah. crazy. Um, but I think his time will come. I think, you know, I think it's all coming full circle now. I think the NFL understands that now more than ever, they need personalities to drive the game because you're not going to have as many fans in the seats, if any at all. And you're going to have to lean on these players and do more with them to take them out of their helmets and into the forefront of people's faces and understanding who these people are as people. I think the NBA does an unbelievable job of promoting their younger players. I'm talking about it's not even close. And the NFL just, they'll promote their quarterbacks and the guys that make money. For, I mean, how many times have you seen Patrick Mahomes on an NFL commercial? Like, they're going to promote the quarterbacks and the guys that we know and love. But what about the younger players of the world? What about the, you know... Um, just younger players in general. Like, what about all of those guys that understand what's going on, that are the faces of the league, so to speak, and ter- especially social media-wise and Twitter and Instagram? A lot of these guys, like Cheetah, like that guy's like, why doesn't he get more love? You know what I mean? Right. He's he's the guy that scores a bunch of touchdowns, things like that. Even Travis Kelsey doesn't get enough love for me, in my opinion. The guy's going to go down as probably one of the best tight ends in history. Sick. If, you, if, if, if I showed someone a picture of him right now, they wouldn't even know who he is. It depends on the demographic of where you are. Right. If you show someone in LA right now, an LA kid, if I go outside and 12, you know, a 12 year old, 13 year old, and I ask him who Travis Kelsey is, he might know because of the Super Bowl, but he, he won't might know. He might know because of the clip, reality TV show. Exactly. Exactly. Like, if I showed him a clip, he might know. But if I showed him a, a, a mugshot of Travis Kelsey, he'd be like, I have no idea who this is. And that's yeah. Travis and I, Kelsey. And I, also think, I also think that, you know, back in the day, the NFL was probably the biggest league of shut up and play. And now, you know, they're finally making the move in the right direction where it's like, let's give these guys a platform, you know, let's let them talk about the, you know, the issues that are going on in this world. Let's give them these personality shows and all that. I mean, I love the way it's going right now. It needs to keep yeah. going. 
I love it too. And I just think, uh, lastly, I just think it needs to continue. I just think it, for sure. you know, I, I just hope it's not for the time being and because we're in this time frame and everything's kind of culminating. I think they need to see this as a change and really attack this head on and, and let these guys speak their piece and understand, you know, that this game is bigger than just shut up and play. It's bigger than, than it's beginning to be bigger than the shield now. Starting to be these individual players, their voices carry a lot further because of platforms like this and 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 social media and Instagram and Twitter. Like their voices are carrying a lot more than they ever did before. Yeah. And so I mean so going into the NFL as a former player, are you happy in the direction it's going? I know the preseason for me, and like you're a preseason hero, and that kind of that was the jumping off point for your career. We lose that now. We lose we lose those games. So there are guys, you know, who could have that shot. And to me, an issue. There are a couple things going on that I don't love. I'll say that. But mm-hmm. what they, we need something to subsidize though, to give those guys a chance. Creating opportunity is huge, you know. And they have agreed. I mean, there's. That. There's so many. I think um, I think the XFL. I'm I'm kind of happy that The Rock like kind of grabbed a hold of that. <laughs> I think yeah. it's really epic. I, I don't perfect. know what the he's literally perfect for that. And, and I don't know what the future holds for the XFL specifically. But if the NFL can use the XFL as kind of a farming kind of crop for for the next years to come and other players, I think they'll have something there because college just isn't enough, and it isn't enough of a bandwidth to gauge whether because a lot of guys now in the nfl a lot of gms and owners they want to see yeah you're good yeah you can jump you got a 48 inch vert but what type of person are you and i think as a 19 year old kid 18 20 year old kid you don't even know that yet you know what i mean you don't know what type of person you are fully you know what you like you know what you don't like you know what you know you know that stuff but you don't know who you're going to become at 24 and i think if the xfl gets it right and they can become this breeding ground for the NFL to look at and say, we can pluck players from this, then it'll be great. But I think um, to answer your question, I think the NFL still has a long way to go in terms of holistically bringing it to the next level. I think it starts with ownership. Having some minority ownership at some point has to be a thing. There has to be some diversity within the ownership so that 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 the the, the you know the voice of the minority can be heard and, and can be understood. I think it's I think it's 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 a part of being heard as well as understood because you can hear us all you want, but understanding where we're coming from and understanding where eighty percent of the league is coming from because eighty percent of the league is minorities, you know what I mean? If not higher. So I think that needs to change. I think ownership coming to the forefront and understanding certain issues needs to change. I think, you know, allowing the players to speak their minds and speak their peace on the field. I think it's changing now, but it's starting to, you know, I think that's the kind of evolution that we're going into. I remember when I was playing, they didn't even want me wearing custom cleats. Like I used to customize cleats, like right before Odell and them got there, like I was customizing cleats and talking to people and trying to do different things footwear wise. And then over time, now we see how they were finding me every damn near every week, every time I tried to go out there. Now it's like, now there's like one week dedicated to like customizing cleats every year in the NFL that's like joined with your foundation and then now they're starting to loosen up the reins on that a little bit more because it's good to let people be themselves let these athletes be express themselves as long as if it's the colors of the jersey or the uniform 
let them do whatever the heck they want to do. Yeah, as long as it's positive speech. I mean, it goes back to your foundation, like letting people know that there's these options out there, that you can be yourself, that you're more than the color of your skin. You're more than what your neighborhood tells you you are. You're more than the guy behind the helmet. Yeah, you could run and throw faster than most people in the world. But you know what? Maybe you want to dress. And the thing with Cam Newton, too, is like to go back to him. Everyone looks, he comes in dressed the way he dresses, and everyone's like, you're not taking Mm -hmm. your game seriously. You care more about the way you look. You know what? So what? He likes to come to the game in a swag suit. Who cares? Like, exactly. Who cares? You know what? I mean, Everyone... The guy's won a national championship, an NFL MVP, a Heisman. He's been in the Super Bowl. I'm like, what? I mean, what come on. What he he doesn't care. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even when, even when you look at the disrespect, in my opinion, in terms of his contract, like if you look at all the backup, let's say, because they got him to be, you know, they're paying him backup quarterback money, right? Totally, yeah. right? But if you look around the league at the back, Chase Chase Daniel was making eight million dollars a year for like the last six years. I can't even remember the last time he's played a down. I think he came in briefly for like Col- McCoy and, and at some point and for when he was with the Redskins. But like other than that, I, you haven't seen him. And for and- Cam to come in and get less than a million bucks. And then a bunch of incentives and all. I was just like, okay, but it, it, it just shows you where the market feels like for, uh, and, and I don't want to say this is, you know, this is the way they're treating minority players, but Cam Newton specifically, given where he's been and the things he's accomplished, he should be getting more than just 500 grand and some incentives contractually, in my opinion. You if know what I mean? If he is healthy, if he's healthy and back, you're talking about a guy. You're talking about an. M, you're not talking about a good player. You're talking about MVP. An MVP. It's mm-hmm. there's two different ball games, and if you could like, first of all, shout out to Sam Bradford's agent for being like he. Oh, you know, what a legend like, that guy! Legend, is. like dude, you know, like why isn't <laughs> he like running our finances for the country? That guy is like <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> like, figured it out. He figured it he's out. got it. No shot. Listen, we're we're Longhorn guys. We're all UT grads, and so obviously okay. we have respect for Sam Bradford as a player. But he, you know, after he got, after he got hurt, like, and you could speak to it too. Once you get hurt, it's tough, man. It's like a tough it's situation, tough. you know, and, and, and Bradford got hurt, but he kept getting the dollars and the cents. And I was like, how does this compute? It just doesn't. It, there's no other rhyme or reason other than the facts you're saying. Like, they're looking at him differently. Yeah, and I think it's the, you know, that quarterback position gets a lot more leeway. They get a lot more, you know, the rope is a lot longer for quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? Especially guys drafted as high as Sam Bradford was. They're like, yeah, he's getting hurt, but he's not a receiver. It's not like we need him to run a 4-4. He's a quarterback. As long as he could drop back seven steps and stand upright and throw the ball, we're going to continue to give him a shot and continue to pay him right. what we deem he's worth. Once you're a first-round pick, your money and where they consider you is always going to be at that first-round pick. So you could have been in the league six years, had two injuries, flopped around a couple teams, but it's not, oh, but you were a first-round pick, you're still going to get X amount of millions of dollars, even if it's just to be a backup because of your legacy, because of your history and where you came into the league, which is insane to me. Yeah, it's terrible. It's I mean, crazy. We're talking about Chase Daniels. It's like clearly people are still watching Chase Daniel college film because exactly. I, I guess that's why he's getting paid. I don't I don't know. Know. It's one thing with to, for him to be a backup. And I was like, oh, Chase Daniels is a quality backup. He can come yes. and he understands and do it. But then I'm like, wait, let me look up. How much is Chase getting paid? What? For how many years? Like, wait, hold on. This is crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's also like, 
you know, maybe bringing in some minority owners and GMs will help too because the non-minority minority guys are making terrible decisions money-wise. Some contracts are getting yep. thrown around. I'm on the couch, and I hate to, you know, GM from the couch and coach from the couch. I really do. Sure. I really yeah, we don't. All think we, we all do it. it. We all yeah. do it anyway. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, listen, man, if I was blackout drunk on a Friday night and came back, you know, had no luck at the bar with girls and was pissed off playing Madden, you know, I don't even think I would make that deal. Like, I don't even think that's possible. And some guys just come in and do it still. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's definitely interesting. But I think the NFL has is going to a better direction. But guys like Chandler Jones and Shaq Barrett, who have monster seasons on the defensive side, like, give them some love. Your position, fortunately, those guys, like Michael Thomas, giving himself a voice, Cheetah, you know, Julio is the silent assassin. He's like one of those dudes is like cool as a cat, like doesn't have to speak, but like, and Hobbs yeah. kind of there too. But you know, it's yeah. good to see these guys say, Hey, there's other positions other than the quarterback that are respect, want to be responsible for the game. They want to be responsible for winning or losing. Exactly. And I think now more than ever, the way the league is shifting, those pass catchers, those wide receivers are more important. Damn it. The collective, if you look at, if you look at Kansas city, right, the collective of pass catchers oh, yeah. and receivers and tight ends they have, they're almost more important than Pat Mahomes. Like, if Pat Mahomes doesn't have those guys to throw to, yes, Pat Mahomes is incredible and can put the ball wherever he wants to. But if you don't have that talent that's able to catch the ball and do something with it, Patrick Mahomes is just another quarterback that that's in the league. You know, another run-of-the-mill guy that's above average but doesn't have the weapons around him. But if you put those guys around him, those guys are as important. Those receivers, those tight ends, those guys that catch the football are just as important as a quarterback, and that synergy is important. So those wide receivers need to be getting some more love too because if Cheetah didn't take that two-yard slant 65 yards to the crib, you know, it's just another two-yard slant at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Oh, dude, for sure. Yeah, and that guy's I, ridiculous. And you had – I mean, your, your guys' Super Bowl team – Oh first, yeah, I was about to say. You know, first of all, <laughs> Manningham. I mean, listen, I know better than anyone to ever doubt number ten for sure. Mm-hmm. But they were ballers on that team. I think actually, I'm yeah. curious to hear how what your opinion of that team was because looking on it on paper, you guys, you got yeah, you were a nine and seven team that won. But mm-hmm. I think the regular season you kind of tricked people a little bit. You know, you, you had you had <laughs> you, you duped you, us. You duped everyone because that team on paper is ridiculous. Yeah, I think I think as the season progressed, right? I think early in the season, I don't think we knew who we were. Steve Smith had just left. We were like, look, it was a void there. Who was going to be our slot receiver? Martin Manningham really wasn't a slot. He was more of an outside guy. Yeah. Hakeem Nix for sure wasn't a traditional slot guy. He could play wherever if he wanted to. But he's definitely an outside threat that can stretch the field. And then it was just like this me just coming in after a good preseason the year before, and I'm coming in like, well, where am I going to go? Like, what's going to be my role this year? And then week two, kind of getting into the fold and kind of getting, I think we kind of figured ourselves out halfway through the year. And I think when we, I remember being in the locker room and sitting back and being like, we got Ahmad Bradshaw in here, Brandon Jacobs, you know, Hakeem Nick, Dominic Hickson, myself. Like, there's so many guys in here. Talent, crazy. And and then defense was a whole. We had, our defense was just stacked as well. Oh yeah. my god, that D line, yeah. that D line was ridiculous. It was just like, and then you add JPP, who was just a second year guy. We came in together, and he had like 15 sacks that year, or whatever he had. And it was just like we were all coming together. I think we all understood the talent level that we had, like halfway through the year. And I think the biggest part was that not only did we understand the talent we had, 
everyone knew their roles and everyone wasn't trying to do more than what they were asked to do from practice all the way through. And I think that understanding really let everyone to just be comfortable and just be themselves. And when game day came around, we just went out there and let our hair down and just played, man. And I think it just made it, it just made that year one of the most special years of football that I ever played because I just got to learn so much from all those guys and just understand what football was about. And I think that's like that. If you look at every Super Bowl team, I really feel like they, when you look at the team holistically, they just come together at the right time. And it's timing. I always say not always the best teams win the win the uh, the Super Bowl. The healthiest teams do, and the, and timing has to be right. You know what I'm saying? And if you look at every Super Bowl team that's won it, and the team that they've had, and the, it's always been the right collection of veterans and younger players mixed that really leave you to have like one of those teams that just understood. I remember when we were uh, during the practice during Super Bowl week, the practice during the Super Bowl, there wasn't one drop pass. We didn't drop not one pass. There wasn't not one missed assignment. I remember Coach Coughlin coming to us on that Friday, and he's like, well, I got I got nothing to correct, guys. Like, you guys, I think you guys are locked in. And, and Coach Coughlin always found something. Like, yeah. he didn't care how, pra- how perfect it was. He was going to find something to harp on or to, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the fact that that Friday practice before the Super Bowl, no less, he didn't have any corrections, and he felt like we were ready to go that gave us the confidence we needed to be like, we are ready to go and we're yeah. not there involved. You know? yeah. It's just that ultra focus, like that laser focus. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a crazy, I mean, it's, and it's just like a free flowing and relaxed state. I mean, we had RC Buford on two weeks ago, three weeks ago. He's the mm-hmm. former GM of the Spurs. Yeah. And so he's saying when they beat the heat, you would think game one after losing to the heat the year before everyone would be like, mm-hmm. But everyone just relaxed, man, being themselves, being with their teammates, trusting what they knew already and they had going. Once y'all beat the Packers that year, I was sitting there like, mm-hmm. here we go again. This is about here we to, go. I'm oh, like, they're, once they, this is, this is how he, <laughs> Eli Manning's sitting there not saying much. I'm like, this is how he does it every time. And it's, I mean, Coughlin, they're, they're a very interesting pairing, I found. But I think it worked kind of like a yin and yang. And you, you guys, it seemed like there's a lot of personalities in the locker room, but to see a pr- group of personalities come together and for a, for a greater goal. I mean, that's how you win the Super Bowl, it seems. Yeah, that's definitely how it was. And I remember, I remember before we left for the Super Bowl, right? And everyone's kind of, you know, we just, we just beat uh, San Fran. We're back in there. We're all excited. Everybody's getting their protocol for the Super Bowl, all of that. And right at the end of that meeting, I remember Eli Manning standing up in front of all of us and was like, guys, I know everyone's excited and excited to go to the Super Bowl and party and all of that, but I promise you, you will have the best party of your life after we win this game. So if you can just hold your water and like focus for these 14 days that we got, you know, the seven at, at, the seven days you get before you go and then the seven days you get while you're there practicing. If we could, if we could lock in for those days, we will have the best party you will ever have in your entire life. And everybody was like, yeah. <laughs> where, where, where was the Super Bowl that year? It was in Indianapolis, and thank God it was in Indianapolis because if it was in Miami, <laughs> oh, if it was in LA, we were—I I don't know—Josh, we, we didn't have the type of team that that would be prepared for something. This like is the that. Josh actually met you in Miami. This Here's year. the deal: I don't. Really? Want, I was gonna. Well, I was gonna wait till we became friends to bring this up. This is our. This is our. This is our third encounter. You and I first encounter before okay. we were before we were podcasters, okay. full time. Before we were doing the podcasting full time, we Nick and I actually both worked at a restaurant in Los Angeles. I was your waiter okay. one time. You were John in, and Vinny. 
you were an excellent customer. At John and Vinny's? Yes. Yeah. Josh I love and I that place. So that's Josh and I definitely a possibility. Yeah. Oh, now, well, yeah, we're, we used to work there. Yeah. We'll go grab food when the pandemic's up. For, for that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, but you were excellent, excellent customer, by the way. Uh, Thank you. So good Appreciate for you. That. No, listen, it's good to know. Second time, though, <laughs> we were in Miami this past. So Alex and I got flown in with the network. We're doing interviews in Miami. I see, I see you walk by, you know, and instead of asking you for an interview, we're like, hey, you got time? Because listen, everyone's running around being shuffled around there. That place. Wait, is- this was like Radio Row where you guys yes. like shuffling around? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Okay. This, is, yeah. this okay. is chaotic. Okay. I go, cruise, and you turn around with a smile, you know, and I go, you, me, right now, 15 second salsa dance, I got you. You looked at me. <laughs> I think I remember that. You looked at me. You were about to do it. You see there's a crowd. Don't want to defend your title because you look, you kind of take me in one more time. See, I got my <laughs> swagger on. And you go, I may lose this thing. And then you go, ah, maybe later and dipped out. So we, we have a video of it. We have a video. There's video proof. And they just want, I just oh want you God. to know now that we've had a great time together. Um, you owe me a salsa. You owe me, you owe me one sauce off just in the future. That's it. That, I, I can do that. Also, in person. Whenever we see each other again yeah, in yeah. person. Hopefully it's not like someplace weird where people be looking at us crazy if we're dancing. 100%. But I got you. I got yeah, you. Thank 100%. you, man. I don't. I don't remember exactly what Josh was wearing, but I'm gonna imagine based off of his current outfit, it was a Celtic sweatshirt and oh like a Grizzlies God. hat and like a Grizzlies hat, like something that just didn't. <laughs> All right. Matter. Okay. You know what? <laughs> it, to be honest with everybody here, it was a Celtic sweatshirt and a, and a Browns hat and a Browns hat and a Browns hat. That's what it said. I'm lo- dude. I'm I'm I'm, I'm I'm Amelia Earhart lost with clothes sometimes. You know. Don't <laughs> don't. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> we'll definitely right. have to do that I'm, in person. Look, All I'm right. colorblind, and I know that green, orange, brown don't mix. Well. That's a bad <laughs> oh, mix. Oh, so we're, talk, we're talking to the drip king over here. Tell Ooh. me real quickly, how, when did you start getting so swag with your outfits? I got to know. Man, it's it's kind of been – my dad was always one of those dudes that was, like, always stylish, right? Whether he was in, like, some Maurice Malone shorts back in the day with, like, a tank top and a hat to the back. And, and like I remember, my pops loved those the Scotty Pippins from back in the day. Remember the, the the red and white Nike joints that Scotty had? He loved those. So like I always just emulated my dad, and, and not just streetwear, right? He would dress up, and he'd have on like linen linen pants and a white button up and suspenders with the shirt opened up. With it. And he was kind of like built, so he was like showing off. And I was like, that looks kind of whack right now at like ten years old. But like I'm pretty sure that's gonna be fire at, yeah, in like yeah. ten years when I'm oh, like doing my, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean the drip is undeniable. I mean, I think everyone should say that. Yeah, I wish I appreciate like, that. I, I don't get me wrong, I love my father, but he is not the style guru to emulate. <laughs> he he dresses on purpose. Like if if I go if he, if we're leaving the house, I go, dude, like, you know, you can't rock those. He goes, Not only does he rock them that time, like but like he'll come to see my friends rocking them. He'll come to like college and visit me <laughs> rocking like it just like just going at me like that is crazy. You uh, had that dad that you're like, yo, pops, like what are you what are you doing? Like you can't wear this. Oh yeah. But he and he and and then when, but once you say that, it's not like, oh yeah, you're right. It's like, okay, good. You don't like this. I'm gonna just I'm, I'm gonna drive it down. into oh, God. Yeah, it's just <laughs> ruthless, man. Um, I love it. We have we're, oh, we're, so so we're in a pandemic, and I know that you you touched upon this a little bit in your sit down with Cam and and Todd and Odell, and you mentioned you know if you don't find something in this pandemic that you've mm. learned from or a trade that you've picked up, you know you're doing something wrong. What's some things that you've learned about yourself? You know, have you found a trade like you know? Can you speak it's a good a question. More on yeah. that? Man, so many things. I mean, one, uh, cooking for starters. Like I used to think, uh, I used to think like, obviously also out of just bare like survival, right? Like I'm in the crib, like I gotta cook something. Um, 
So like cooking was like something that was like daunting for me in the past. And I'd make little things, but like I really got busy in the kitchen and I found it to be a lot easier than I thought it was. So kudos to me for that. But like <laughs> I've become damn near, I mean, I downloaded the Nike Run Club app. I'm out here running miles on, on end now, challenging my friends, like a whole thing. Um, bike riding. I'm also like really into like more TV. So like I've been creating like some non-scripted things. Uh, just here ideating, sitting here with my girlfriend, just going through going through things, just creating ideas. So like just a little bit of everything, man. I think you should really take this time to tap in those little things that you maybe just scratched the surface on before, didn't have time to do before. Like pick those things up and, and really devote some time to it because you literally have nothing else. Like I, my girl has a whole paint kit here. Like it's a whole, like we're about <laughs> to awesome. paint pots here later. So like just, I love just it. like pick up those things that you probably thought you didn't like or didn't want to do or didn't have the time to do, pick those things up and, and, and get to it because now's the time. Yeah, for sure. And for the creatives out there, I mean, we're all, I think everyone in this world has creativity in them. And totally. I think, you know, being locked inside, like really you need to channel your creativity. You need, you need to channel all that anger, all that, you know, uncertainty and anxiety you have and put it in some creativity. You know, you have to, and that's why Agreed. we do stuff like this, you know, we're recording a show twice a week and we've been doing it from the start, but I mean, this definitely helps. I'm sure the guys can, yeah, to totally. It's great. Hundred percent. So yeah, if even just to see you guys' faces, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Some to, in case anybody ever forgot how handsome I was, I have, uh, I have, a, I have a face for podcasting, as I'm always friendly reminded. <laughs> uh, Cruz, we always ask every one of our guests the same question at the end of the show. We're towards you with two quick things for you. Could be from you playing, watching anything at any level, anything at all, any experience you've had your absolute favorite sports memory? Ooh, my absolute favorite sports memory. <clears throat> I think it's had to be, I think it had to be my first year playing football. Uh, I was little league. I was, how old was I, 11? I think I was about 11 years old. And my dad was one of the coaches and I was playing like left guard. I actually might've been playing center, like hiking the ball, not knowing what the hell I was doing at yeah. all, right? My first yeah, I played, week. I played left tackle, and I and I played wide receiver in college, so I know how it feel goes. my pain. You understand? So like, I'm there, just they're like, look, just snap the ball to the quarterback and like make sure no one gets to him. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So like, I do that for like maybe two series, and I hear, I distinctly remember my dad saying to the coach, to the head coach, because he was like a position coach, telling the head coach, "Yo, put my son at running back, give him the ball just one time." And like, and, and if he like fumbles on his own feet, he'll never get the ball again. It's fine. Like whatever happens, give him the ball once and we'll live with the results. And I remember going back and I was playing fullback and it was 21 dot. And that's like right up the gut, see what happens. And they handed me the ball. I take the ball, I like stop right in that hole. And I'm like, I'm not going through there. And I like bounce it to the outside and just go for like 55 for a touchdown. And I just think, and I remember like scoring and being like, holy shit, I just scored. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do now. I turn around, everyone's going crazy. My father's in the face of the head coach. Like I told you, I told you, I told you. And I distinctly remember that whole scenario at 11 years old. Um, and that was like one of the moments where I knew that like, okay, football is probably something that I can continue to cultivate and probably make something, uh, you know, bigger out of this for sure. Yeah, fast yeah, forward eleven not... years later, you're scoring a sixty-two yarder in the preseason game. Exactly, so crazy. Def definitely so not crazy. on a fullback dive on that one and taking it. Definitely not on a fullback dive. Yeah, dude, fullback. <laughs> very quickly, like as soon as I got to college, uh, to high school, and I was playing, I played a little running back in the beginning of high school. You can't bounce out of those holes anymore. Everyone's yeah. faster. 
It's not literally receivers, baby. Exactly. So I got moved to receiver very, very quickly. Yeah, fullback dive is like the most classic. I remember like you know playing peewees. Like I I actually played left tackle growing up Mm -hmm. until I had to stop playing football. And I the coach was like, all right, guys, fullback dive, fullback. I'm like I I I, I, like I know I'm I know I just got bar mitzvah (laughs) last week, coach. I know I'm 13, but like maybe we should rip something other than the fullback dive. They may know that's coming. Exactly. (laughs) I think they're gonna know. Even now Madden, like like you can't just be running Madden plays out here. HD dive only works in Madden. Yeah, exactly. Right. This isn't. We can't do four verts every time, you know. <laughs> you that's it. a great. That's a great memory. I love that. I mean, like we always, you know, get guys on. We try to kind of guess what they have, and like obviously mm-hmm. you won a Super Bowl, you know, and you've had some amazing NFL career. But like little stories like that that we don't know about just exactly. makes this the show all. Oh big. yeah, that's what makes it too. Uh, last thing 100%. we got for you: two minute drill, rapid fire questions. We're gonna ask you if you can feel if you want to elaborate. Go for it. We're not going to stop you. We've had okay. someone go on an 11-minute tangent and just let it ride. But don't feel pressured Jesus. to do that. Uh, yeah. yeah, don't feel These pressured to do that. Yeah. Real quick, straight shooters, Nick's going to fire them off at you. All right, okay. so I'd be remiss not to touch up on this. Uh, both my roommates went to UMass. Okay. They told me to ask you about the dining hall. Oh, my God. Like I hear Berkshire, Hampshire dining hall. I remember when I first got there, it was like Berkshire was getting remodeled, so it was like a thing. We were waiting for that to end and like going there. And Hampshire was like, it was like the OG spot. Like you knew what you were getting when you go to Hampshire. But Berkshire had like sushi bar, salad bar. They had stir fry. But Berkshire was like, and people was like, literally, you eat there and just be in there for like seven hours. Yeah, it's nationally ranked school. number one. It's the number yeah. one. Is it? Yeah, that's what they said. They said UMass is the number one dining hall in the nation. Incredible. Makes sense. I right? guess I can tip my hat to that one. They also asked who, me to ask who, you who, about who ranked that. Who ranked that? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm like, are you sure? Guy Fieri, I don't know. Yeah, yeah like college Guy Fieri is like popping from one dining hall to another. That's like the worst. That's like the, that's like the best worst job of all time. It's like of all time. That'd be so fun. Yeah. All right. The next the next thing they asked me to ask you, tell me your favorite Blarney blowout story. My favorite what story? Blarney blowout. Did you never go to Barney blowout? I, I think it was called something. I think we might have called it something. I mean, we had Barney, Barney Blowout. We had, um, wait, we had Blackout Weekend. That's probably what it is. Yeah. That's we, what they're talking about. They call it Blarney Blowout now, I guess. It's a crazy yeah, so, weekend. So Blackout Weekend is like, <laughs> there's like a three-day weekend. Well, besides everyone getting Blackout drunk. Yes. Uh, I was going to say. Like, <laughs> yeah. Besides, <laughs> besides that, I mean, that's neither here nor there. But it's like a three-day weekend where it's like parties, events, drinking games uh there's sport there's a they even ran a a basketball tournament in the in the horseshoe where they had two different basketball courts and people would come like rucker park style and be standing out there watching the game dope dope. um there's like a huge party in the cage every saturday you know that that saturday night so it's like and people come from yukon and rhode island and all these other schools to come and enjoy blackout weekend with us and uh i remember looking forward to that almost each and every year and, and being excited for that one because you just got to meet new people. You got yeah. to have fun for a weekend and, um, and yeah, just have a good time. We That's, have something similar called roundup at Texas. We all went to university of Texas and it's exactly. very similar. We also, I, we also I, had blackout weekend, but that was just every weekend for me during, <laughs> during my, Friday. during my, yeah, that during my four, Friday. that was just every day. I did my four year career. <clears throat> we'll keep it going. So finish this sentence. Eli is the most blank quarterback of all time. Ooh, Eli is the most cerebral quarterback of all time. I think he just—I don't think he ever get, got enough credit or gets enough credit for how much he understood the game with his brain. Like there were things that he saw 
before the ball was even snapped that he was privy to and knew where he was going with the football because he did that much research and that much homework on the opponent that he was dropping back already knowing what they were going to do well before he even snapped the ball. And I think that, you know, that's one of the things of the game or one of the nuances of the game that doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, that's dope. Um, All right, your top five NFL receivers right now. Right now, top five. Um, I'm going to go in no order because I'm just spewing names out of my brain. Yeah, go for it. Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans, Mike Thomas, um, DeAndre Hopkins, and Julio Jones. Perfect. I think I mean I I I hit a little bit. Yeah, I I that, yeah, that's the the the. That's yeah. pretty much the list. Yeah, it's <laughs> tough to like. List. Then you got Ty Hill. I'll mm. let everybody else put them in order, however they want. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's the list. Nice. Who is the best player that you have ever seen play? The best player that I've ever seen play. Wow, that's a good question. Um, I think I'm gonna say Odell, mainly because. Not just because of what we know and what we see. I think it's the work ethic and the things people don't see. Like he had me waking up at 5 a.m. to go in and he would catch 100 balls every day from the jug machine before we even got the day started. And I'm sure he's doing that times 10 with Jarvis because Jarvis is cut from the same cloth. They're both in Cleveland. I'm sure they're catching 300 balls before 8 a.m. out there in Cleveland. So, So he's catching that many, starts the day. If, you, if, if we're in practice and it's not the offensive turn or whatever, he's running laps. Like, he's just getting suicides in. He's doing something active. And if it's the offensive turn, and, and obviously we're not getting as many reps, he'll probably get six or seven reps per period. After those reps, he has someone shooting him more jugs on the machine. Like, he's a work And then after practice, he's running more suicides, more laps. And then we have our meetings and then go catch more jugs after meetings at five o'clock at the end of the day. Like people don't see that part of Odell Beckham's work ethic. You know what I mean? It's crazy. You see glimpses of it because he posts a lot of videos and stuff online and all (laughs) of that's dope. But the stuff that like within the confines of when the seat, this is week eight and he's doing this. You know what I mean? Not just in the summertime when it's all fancy and fun to do. He's doing this throughout the course of the season. And I mean, when you pair you pair his athleticism to that work ethic, I mean, it's a deadly combo. Deadly. And people just assume he doesn't work him. like that. I'm excited. I mean, because of the off-the-field stuff, right? They see him out and about. They see the photos on Instagram. They see him at, you know, different places, hanging out with all these celebrities and stars. They're confusing that with him being overwhelmed with that as opposed to locking into the work ethic and what he does. And when it's time to play and when it's time to line up between those those lines, there's no other person that's more ready than Odell Beckham Jr. in my opinion. Yeah. Who is the funniest teammate you've ever had? Oh man, the funniest teammate I've ever had um, has to be Ahmad Bradshaw. I, I think, and <laughs> really? I don't even think he know, I don't even think he knows he's that funny. Like he just comes in, and you know how some guys just the way they say certain things yeah. or their energy it's behind like certain things is just hysterical. Shit, yeah. He would come in, and that guy, he's another guy that like. I don't even know how he made it past game days. He'd come in the next day and like he had screws in his foot that were like loose and he'd barely, he'd be limping in. Like he wouldn't, he'd barely practice all week. But on that Sunday, man, when it was time to strap him up and time to like count, you know, if you needed somebody to count on on game day to be there and be where he's supposed to be, Ahmad Bradshaw was that guy for I'm me. Telling I'm telling you, just running happy. backs are a different breed. I'm happy he's got two championships, man, and two rings and, and all of that because he, he earned every single bit of it for sure. I, I 
think it's so funny. I feel like if you were lining up as a linebacker against both of those guys and you're like, Fran oh, Jacobs, Jacobs oh. is the big guy. Like I know what I'm dealing with, but then like Bradshaw bulldozes a guy too. And you're like, exactly. how did this, how did that happen? Ridiculous. And then the fact that our passing game was so great that year, you had to, you had to pick your poison. You didn't know whether to go too deep safety and like just try to defend the pass. But if you go too deep, you know we're handing that off to either Ahmad or, B- or BJ, or where? and they're gonna make you pay, or or DJ Ware, and and they're gonna make you pay. You know yeah, saying? you know how it's like you said you learned that you could play football at eleven, you know, running the ball. I learned mm-hmm. I couldn't when I saw Brandon Jacobs <laughs> bulldoze some guy. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll, that that I can't handle that. That is a lot. Of I money. still remember the draft and when they drafted him and they were showing photos. Oh yeah, the, the Giants just got a running back that's six two. 255 and i was like wait what and he ran like a four five and i was like okay guys this is i'm not playing house. db anymore house, i'm not playing db anymore i'm playing receiver crazy. i'm not tackling that yeah all right moving on who wins in a dance off you heinz ward or odell i mean that's me i mean without even a question i mean i got <laughs> i got the hips i got the bloodline and i'm just i'm just an overall better dancer than those two i mean when you think yeah, about it so of course, of course. <laughs> no we definitely yeah we de- I, I didn't realize it was like a no contest i mean I, listen and not to like i know we have you here now and just heinz ward can move i i have you over odell uh i would have if i had to rank it i would give you the edge over heinz ward probably still not over me but definitely over heinz ward <laughs> <laughs> well, wait heinz Hines won. Did he win Dancing with the Stars? Oh, or did he yeah. compete? He won. He, he, was, won. he, he won. won it, right? Yeah. I mean, unfairly, he's had coaching with for for a whole season with the professionals. That's like exactly. it's a little exactly. yeah. Yeah, you're all natural, baby. I'd come in raw and just get you, it done. You had the, I know you had the opportunity. Yeah. You had the opportunity to go to dancing, but I I did. I just felt like at the time, you know, that show was always skewed to an older, uh, uh, older demographic. Right. You know, they had a bunch of retired players and things like that. Jerry Rice, Hines. And I was just like, you're not going to group. And at the time, I was like year four. You know what I mean? I was like, you're not going to get me in there with all the old old guys. Doing <laughs> yeah, I, that. Feel, I feel, I feel. Uh, what's the best restaurant you've been to in New York City? Best restaurant? Oh, you're not going to Your favorite, your favorite. My favorite restaurant in New York City is this Italian spot called Emilio's Volatelli. And okay. it's uh, just incredible. Just from, obviously, the food is great, but I like going to places that have, like, a vibe and an atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. And those guys treat everybody like family, whether you're coming in for the first time or it's your hundredth time. They, like, they treat people good in there. And, you know, I, I'm a lot of other restaurant owners are going to be mad at me when they see this, but I'm going to have to go with Emilio. Yeah. And what about in L.A.? In LA, oh, there's so many in LA too. Um, I'm gonna th- I'm gonna go with the bougie LA answer and go with Nobu just because, like, okay. especially <laughs> the one in Malibu because it's just like you can't yeah that can't vibe miss. and that you can't miss. Like, I'm literally eating sushi and they just caught it right out here and I'm looking at the ocean of where they caught it and I'm sitting here having dinner. It's just like that that uh, that combination you can't beat. It's fire. What's your <clears throat> What's your favorite sneaker? It's really good. I I know we all know you're a sneakerhead. What's your favorite sneaker store? My favorite sneaker store. I have a couple. I can't just pick one. Kith is obviously one of them because like you know Ronnie Five is like my brother. But the second one is in Jersey and it's called Sneaker Room, mainly because I built a relationship with them like for so many years. I remember hitting up the owner on DM like, yo, um, I'm, I'm literally hit him like, yo, I'm looking for a spot to kind of, to kind of um you know, facilitate with and have my own sneaker store and kind of just vibe with. And I asked him if he had this sneaker. He was like, yo, just come down to the shop. 
And I came down to the shop and met Siraj, the owner, and literally we just chopped it up for like five hours. Like I left, I got there at 12, I left at like dinner time. And I was like, okay, this is, you can tell the difference between just coming in and having a rapport and them giving you a sneaker and leaving, as opposed to a place that like, really has conversation and cares yeah, yeah. wants to build on top of their relationship so. i mean you, your sneaker collection is absurd I, J josh has an absurd hat collection but your okay. sneaker collection blows them out of the water so we're gonna do something a little fun here uh okay. we all have uh, a shoe for you to rank in order one through three uh okay. we're gonna show you and you and you tell me which one's your favorite so let's josh, do it josh is going first okay he's got the classic boot <laughs> <laughs> Here's the deal, man. These are. I wasn't like, expecting that at all. Uh, listen, I, I'm a hat guy, but these are my hats are all across my like really nice. I can't say a lot of things that are nice in my life for sure. The hats and I love these things. I got these in Nashville. They're like less they than a year. Broken old. in too. Because like, I went, I went, I went, I went, uh, I went riding through the canyons of Utah in them. I had to. Oh wow! Oh, dude, yeah. Dope. You should go take your girlfriend, Utah. Sick. Bryce Canyon, hop on a dime. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh, so that's, but anyway, <laughs> enough about me. Those are my shoes right now. Okay. I got the I boot. Okay, I mean, I'm going to go second because we, we already know that Nick's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> and Nick already knows too. Look at that big he smile. He set us up, dude. He set us up. He's like, all I'm right. A Bruce, guys, chill out. I'm a, I'm a functionality guy through and through. Okay. These are the new Allbird Tree Runners. They're comfortable. I'm not mad at that. <laughs> That's bad. all I got. That's all I got. They're kind of they're all right. They're a little those dirty because uh, I see those a I lot during. Them. I see a lot uh, a lot of those during travel. A lot of guys like to travel and be cozy and, and wear those on flights and stuff. Nice. Yeah, guy. the the normal Allbirds are are good and comfortable, but these I can I can get a little bounce in these. That's so nice. <laughs> all right. All right. Last these but not my, least, these are my custom made Air Force Ones. Did it myself. Like, of course that's going to win. My boy yeah. went full yeah. custom high top Air Force uh, One. I customized yes. myself. Bro. Yeah, yeah you're speaking my language. Full Fire. bespoke. It, does the bottom glow in the dark too? It's It's got that like. It's got that like vibe, the gum yeah. bottom. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I'm, and the listen, white leg. I'm glad you uh, like his shoes, but deep down, <laughs> I really want you to be like, those are trash. That would have, <laughs> that would have made, that would have. Well, I heard Sonics at first. I was like, no. That would have made. But let's be clear, day. the cowboy boots are definitely close second. They're oh, right there. Man. They're right on the, right on the cusp. But, but the thing about the cowboy boots is, so we all went to UT. Nick. Okay. And Nick is from Austin, just outside. Of, well, he's from San, San Diego, but then he moved to Austin, grew up there. Okay. I grew up in Dallas, so we're. We're Texans. But Josh, Josh is from Long Josh Island. From Long Island. <laughs> like I said, he's a he's a wannabe Texan, so he's he's overcompensating a little bit by getting boots. like how did that come? How did that come? And the fact that he not only does he have the boots, but he already broke them in. The best way to break them in is on horseback in Utah, going through the mountains. Like oh, he's the, to be honest, he's doing a better job of being a Texan than we are. But <laughs> it's it's what I you know what it's I dare to be different. Um, <laughs> There's just I don't I don't know I don't want to toot my horn too much but, but here's a question. where the heart is very yeah. important question yeah please do you go denim in the boot or outside the boot I'm not trying to make people think I'm a freak show I'm trying, <laughs> like I can't like do it I think both are accepted but yeah. I think denim in the boot is more UT accepted more UT style I go like I'll do put my if I want to embarrass the guys I'm with and look like an absolute nut okay. job I'll put them in <laughs> I'll put them inside I just won't even wear pants with the boots sometimes I'll wear like Jesus. I'll, wear, I'll wear jorts 
Full jorts. Oh, oh, I love it. Sky, yeah, skies up, skies so up. Let me paint the picture before I, before we go. Let me paint the picture. I'm I'm getting boots, jorts, a Celtic sweatshirt, and a Grizzlies hat. That's the that's the outfit I'm putting together. Right now. <laughs> Dude, yeah, you see, it's like you've known me your whole life, man. That's that you got I gotta me. Get it out. You so got I me. Get the image out. Yeah, that's oh, so funny. Uh, there All right, we got we got three more questions for you. Real, Real quick. quick, talk to me. Salsa or guac? so much but i gotta go salsa. okay on brand all right and then what's your favorite salsa song favorite salsa song is any salsa song by frankie ruiz my mother grew up with this artist called frankie ruiz he grew up in, in jersey my mother literally used to grow up hearing him, like walking down the street in patterson hearing him sing acapella like before he was a thing before he was anything my mom like heard him sing and then now like his songs just i mean he's he's uh he's passed away may he rest in peace but my mother like plays him religiously my entire life and that's literally the song that i grew up learning how to dance salsa to did they Lewis. play did you play it in the locker room ever in the nfl i did nice. and literally you would have yeah when i put it on you would have thought that you know somebody came in and broke something they were like like what <laughs> i love it we had a couple of spanish guys on a staff um on the medical staff and on the medical team so they they kind of backed me up on nice. yeah yeah right, <laughs> last question for you man it's a good one okay. what's the best part about being a father oh man best part about being a father is the fact that you get to you know you get to watch this person that has every bit of you in them grow and you're and you're a part of that nurturing process for them and i think having that responsibility is one of the most important things in my life and something that i cherish and just watching you know i just think it's crazy that like you know you have this little girl and for me a little girl and then like eight years later she's talking and like she they just grow right before i remember yeah. my mother being like you grew right before my eyes and i'm like yeah whatever but yeah, now she's doing fractions growing <laughs> And I'm like, I literally watch you every day. How are you growing? And I'm not, and yeah. I'm like, it's happening right before my eyes. So like that entire experience of having a child and just nurturing their growth is just the best part for me. Amazing, man. Yeah, it seems like you're doing a great job, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate well, that. Victor Cruz, you are a legend off the field and on the field. We are wishing you the best. Can't watch you. Can't wait to continue to watch you rock it. Now on the mic and in the entertainment world and wishing your foundation the best and fatherhood. And all the love out there. Anything you want to throw out to the people before you head out? No, nah, man. I just encourage everyone to just be safe, stay blessed, take take advantage of this opportunity. There are no negatives. There is no no downfall to this. Make everything positive, and um, and, and God bless you and all your families for sure. Thank you, man. You too, ladies and gentlemen. Victor Cruz, number three Thanks, or number eighty, it. depending how you look at it. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Amazing episode. Couldn't have asked for a better time. Right, Toss? Yeah. No, it was a fantastic episode. So glad that uh, that Victor came on board and uh, rode the the charity stripe ship with us for a little bit, and it was it was great talking to him. He was uh, he was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's really pleasant. No, I mean, I feel like we get we get lucky with a lot of our guests. They're super talkative, and friendly, and nice. Um, he really though, I felt went above and beyond in how open he was and just convert conversational. You know, he was just so easy to talk to and so game and gung-ho so we really appreciate that um we also really appreciate our probably at this point it's overtaken true classic tees our favorite sponsor wow that's a <laughs> they don't think so <laughs> not for you i know you're a big true classic tea guy big uh big tct guy but they um if, if they're taking the the mantle as number one advertiser for the, the charity stripe 
that's a that's a big ordeal. They yeah. they carry a heavy burden. They're basically the Frodo Baggins of advertisers. Yeah, that is um, a, that is a monstrous burden. And, and we're talking about we're talking about Opa seasonings at uh, you know opafoods.com. Opa. Cherry Stripe is uh, we're happy to be partnered with Opa Opa seasonings. And if you want some some seasonings to to mess around with in the kitchen, yeah, whether it be the the chicken and seafood, great. the meat, the mm-hmm. vegetable blend, or the salad blend. Uh, you can go to opafoods.com, use mm. the promo code the charity stripe to get ten percent off yeah. on your next purchase. I'm a big fan of the meat one. I pretty much use it nice. on everything. Wow. It's I'm good. Not even kidding. It's good. Yeah, no, it's a it's a garlic and then some blend is what I'll <laughs> is what I'll say. The the key component is garlic, but there's some other nice stuff in there too. Yeah, totally. Um but yeah, no, we're we're really happy about them. I think it's a it's a neck and neck race. With Opa, Opa Seasonings and True Classic Tees. Oh, you're not ready to call it yet. I'm currently wearing a True Classic Tees sweatshirt right now. What? It's a crew neck sweatshirt. Which no is, way. Yeah, they're versatile. Are they're you, a lot more versatile than, than people me? thought they were. What the <laughs> heck is that, dude? What do you mean? That is so classic. That is so true classic of you to hold out and it's such a sick product like that and not alert anybody. I mean, you peruse their website. They're not our sponsor anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about them. But they're not like they're not our friends. Yeah, we, we had a... Look, it's like a, it's like a bad, it was a bad breakup. It's a bad breakup. It's like that ex-girlfriend that like, if they came back to us, we'd, we'd pick them back up in an instant and probably get down on a knee. Um, true classic tea. You're still wearing the ex's shirt. I still wear, I wish I got. It still smells like true classic tea. That's why I never take it off. Yeah. I wish I I gave an ex-girlfriend a shirt that I wish I had back. I don't even have an ex-girlfriend. I'm just talking out of my ass right now, but. Which is nice, dude. Let's hope you never have one. Yeah, be, I, yes, let's hope that. <laughs> let's hope. Let's that, hope. That'd be great. The well, the only one that I'll have is True Classic Tees. Yeah, that's that's. You should tell your current girlfriend that's the case. For a while, I, <laughs> yeah. she, no, she's a big she's a big advocate of the True Classic Tees. She loves the the material. I mean, yeah. and they don't shrink in the wash, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> Do they want to come back to us? I'm all out of love. They I'm so back. lost without you. Um, I think that's me. Is that meatloaf? There was a really great. Also, this is also not a sponsor, but it's going to be somewhat of a plug here. There was a really great Dr Pepper commercial um, from way back when, and it was it was meatloaf singing "I'm All Out of Love," and no, no, it wasn't. What song was that? I don't know, but I'll put this as a poll. No, you know what it was? It was it was an old. This is an old Dr Pepper commercial, like early two thousands, and it was. It was the it was the guy and his girlfriend. Here's how you know it was an old commercial is because the guy was choosing between his girlfriend and a soft drink, and um, and the <laughs> and the song was and I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. And then because she took his Dr Pepper and he takes the Dr Pepper back from her and then runs out of the house with the Dr Pepper. I remember that actually. It's a great commercial. I should give myself some credit. I didn't think I would. The I will put this as a poll tomorrow, but I'm gonna ask you, and then we'll let everyone go. Dr Pepper or root beer? Do- I'm a Dr Pepper guy. Dr Pepper's from Texas, so it's got homegrown roots. Okay, cool. That's interesting. Yeah, just figured I'd ask. I like root beer too. I okay. honestly I don't drink much soda anymore. Ever. Um, Ever. Outside of like maybe a, a like as a mixer and a drink here and there. Do you like a cocktail? I've seen you get a rum and coke once. I like rum and cokes. I like. I'm always blown away by it. I'm a big Cuba Libre guy. Uh, <laughs> I always like every time life. you order one. I'm like, that was weird. But like, you like him. I like because you ran it because you don't drink that as a pregame drink. No. So like when you get there, you kind of get into it. 
I am um, no, I like, but but again, like really only as a mixer. I can't remember the last time I was like, oh, I'm dying for a Never. soda. Never. Um, but they are. But when you when you were craving a soda and you drink one, it really hits the spot. When you're like pretty, when you're like tipsy and you get a Jack and Coke in you, it just like elevates you to the next level. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Jack and Coke is a good. It's a good. It's a good mixed drink. It's better than like the Jack and cold brew I used to get to keep me wired. That sounds terrible. <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think those two are supposed to be mixed. They were. Although potential sponsor, I'm <laughs> just dropping a lot of potential sponsors. Where's Bamani when we need them? Where the you espresso, know, the heart. Are, I'm actually concerned for them because our roommates were drinking another brand. Oh, I I I saw Did that. Did you notice that? I knew that there were some competitors out there who were making some plays. I let's listen. It's Bamani, by the way, is like a it's an espresso martini in a can. Yeah, it's like know, a white cloth. These guys, but it's like a coffee version. It actually yeah. sounds like a great idea, but it sounds like they're not the only ones with this proprietary beverage. <laughs> yeah, and it's <laughs> yeah, and they they're good guys. They are good guys. Nothing bad. Nothing ill to say about those two. They were really cool. But uh, yeah, you I mean it's but it's about who makes the biggest play. As we learned from Victor Cruz, Victor Cruz is all about the the big play, the uh, the deep threat, so to speak. Excited for the NFL to to be coming back, and and we can uh, dig oh, into some fan do, dig into some fantasy stuff. That. We have to do that soon. It's because it's mid. It's like mid August already. Yeah, it's close. It's right around the just around the river bend. Jesus Christ! All right, guys, the fans out there, drag both feet inbounds, swing on a full count, rip that big puck. Mavs game tonight. By the way, guys. Yeah, and Celtics to an game. end Celtics game, sure. Yeah. But, but, Matt, but hey, the, we're playing. Hey, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna pull for you. You gotta pull for me. It's, of course, I to my parlay. So of course, I will. Jesus Christ! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hit that putt. Hit that puck. Hit your PKs because they're free and hit your free throws. Why toss? Because they're free. Because they're free. We out here. We love you. Who else do you have? We sitting here. I supposed to be the franchise player. We in here talking about practice. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.